There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. It's Friday. It is Friday. Well, it's not for us, but it is for you guys listening. It's Friday. <laughs> oh my God, I feel like I feel like I've been flying by the seat of my pants. You know, um, I'm pet detective. I don't know Ace yeah, Ventura. You, Ace, you know Ace Ventura. I basically feel like Ace. I felt like Ace Ventura the whole week, just basically turning <laughs> up to things with my hair all over the fucking place, not knowing what's going on, being like, "What am I doing? Who am I chatting to? Where am I supposed to be?" It's been a busy one. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Do you know what? I've had one of those weeks as well where it's just been like back to back. Every hour is accounted for. Yes. And I'm just like, oh, wow. Remember this. Remember this life. It's not yeah. a good one. No. Um, but yeah, I'm all good. And today we're going to be talking about something we would love to be doing, which is sleeping. Sleeping. It's our <laughs> favourite nice. topic. It's our favourite topic. <laughs> to discuss in fact when we when we had little ones it was all we could talk about how many hours a night did Axel get last night how many hours sleep did Luna get and we were obsessed with trying to break the um the never-ending doom of not knowing whether we were going to get some sleep or not yeah I know I do know what I do really remember that like when you go to bed and you just don't know what you're in for no it is a horrible horrible feeling (laughs) so if you're listening to this and you are going through that now just know that it does end it really 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 does end I mean it does end but there are still some times when you know we have good two good sleepers they're older now yeah but we still have a little bedroom creeper now and again now and again i mean you know even this morning when i was leaving for work there she was in the bathroom at 4 20 hi mummy and i was like right <laughs> go back to bed now <laughs> was like, take her back i was like it's your job brother so um in she goes but yeah every single night she's she's the one she'll sleep through but she's the one that wants to get up early so uh, you know uh, as you can tell from the way that georgia and i talk about this and if you've been listening to the podcast for a while um this is a subject that is um is very close to our her- hearts we enjoy talking about it and we we thought today we'd do another Q&A on it. Now, I've got to dash. Oh, where are you off to then? <laughs> I know, it's a bit showbiz this, but I've got to go and interview Salma Hayek. So I'm going to say goodbye and you're going to handle this podcast by yourself. Oh, okay. See you later, mate. Thanks. <laughs> so welcome to the podcast, The Sleep Mums. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Uh, hello. And I say that with like a little The Sleep Mums because there is a bit of a thing, isn't there, about being being a sleep mum like a mum <laughs> we're just mums that really want to sleep to be honest <laughs> which yeah is absolutely fair but um yeah this podcast is obviously going to be all about sleep um and you'll know that from the title but just before we get into your questions um I guess we want to just have a little conversation around like the association that comes with sleep and sleep training and all of that kind of stuff. You guys have faced a bit of judgment recently um, through some stuff you put out on social media. You know, we have as well before when we've spoken about getting our kids into a strict routine and some people don't agree with it. Some people do agree with it. It works for some people. It doesn't work for other people. I think um, I think part of the thing about parent judgment, and it's so heavy right now because of social media, but I think part of it is people feel very impassioned about the choices they make for their children. Of course they do. And they want to feel like those are the right decisions. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing them. So when they hear of people doing it in a different way, it, it sort of brings out the bear, I think, a little bit. But 
at the heart of what we do as the sleep mums is supporting everyone on their sleep journey, whatever that looks like for them, whether it is co-sleeping or wanting their baby to sleep independently from them, wanting to do settling, wanting to breastfeed, wanting to bottle feed, because we are all on this parenting journey and everyone's is different and they should feel supported whatever the choices they're making because honestly it is hard enough it really is and I think like with social media especially I think it's so easy for some people to come out and talk about their journey when they are feeling very confident and strong about it but then it makes the people who have done the opposite thing shrink away and so social media appears to them be led by one parenting style rather than judgment free and everyone having their space to talk about everything and also like controversy is what kind of like fuels social media and so it's sort of like that's like the 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 voices get more volume I guess when when you are more like more one-sided and some in the past to be honest we've gone we are so not controversial because we are kind of like want to support all yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's always a bit of a shock actually when we do <laughs> I think this was probably the least controversial post that we've done but has ended up being the most controversial post so it's been quite interesting the thing is as well it doesn't even just happen on social media does it it can happen in friendship groups it can happen in like you know groups of parents it's just one of those things where like you say I guess the decisions you make when you become a parent you feel like you've really thought through and they're quite important to you because obviously it's to do with your children so if someone else is doing something that's different I guess yeah it can rub people you off automatically the feel judged yeah, but even exactly. though there isn't necessarily any judgment there so that's mm-hmm. why we want, really want to actually buck against it and just go do you know what let's just support people in their choices what they want to do they are. because exactly. you know if it's working for them brilliant I think it's really interesting when you work with groups of parents and you know they might all attend the same classes but they come away with very different views and parenting styles which is great because they're owning it but then when they sit and have a coffee that's when the judgment begins and that's when people really start to feel guilty about their choices and it's just so unfair you know it's hard enough without feeling like those people close to you are judging you as well. Also, when you're exhausted, these things are harder to take. And, you know, like it's the classic example of being at any sort of parenting group. And, you know, one parent will say, oh, my baby's sleeping through. And like, you know, the rest of the people go away going, oh, my God, my baby's awake like all night. And actually that that idea of sleeping through will mean different things to different people. I was going to say, yeah, it does. As I know, I remember that. I remember going home and being like, oh, my God such and such as baby sleeping through and then actually it turned out that they were sleeping for like four hour stints and I was like well that's not for me that's not sleeping that doesn't mean that like it doesn't mean now I feel so much better that I know that but um anyway um just before we get into the questions do you want to just give us like just just a brief like insight into how you became the sleep mums and you obviously have your own podcast as well we do yes um so Sarah and I are pals but we became pals because when my daughter was born um seven years ago she really wasn't sleeping Sarah's uh, an amazing sleep consultant with 20 plus years experience <laughs> and an Orland trained nanny uh, so I got her details was absolutely terrified to give her a call felt like I totally failed as a parent um, but gave her a call and within a few weeks my daughter who was sort of six months at the time who'd been waking every hour um, she'd had lots of weight issues and things like that she was sleeping pretty much seven till seven Um, and I'd read all the books I was writing about parenthood and um, at the time we were I was like oh we need to we put this information in books everything feels so judgmental Um, then we didn't do that you know we stayed pals we had glasses of wine and we said (laughs) let's write a book every time we had a few drinks and it didn't happen and then the podcast um, sorry then the pandemic hit And I said, why don't we do a podcast, just six episodes to help support parents for those first few months of parenthood when all those usual networks aren't available to them. We did six episodes and it it just kind of (laughs) exploded because I think parents really needed that Mm -hmm. help. 
and then we got a lovely agent and we got a book deal and um yeah we're we're really really proud of what we do as we say we're really we are the sort of core of what we do is non-judgmental we cover all we're not we don't follow a particular parenting style or a philosophy because actually between us we've Sarah's got so much experience as a professional and um, we've both got three kids we've got experience like personally um, and then I'm a bit of a kind of parenting geek so I read a lot of stuff so we kind of just bring <laughs> all of that together. It's good mix. <laughs> okay well I can't wait to get all of your advice and experience so let's get into the questions. Oh this is interesting okay a mum sleep question we're going to kick off with how much deep sleep should adults get on average a night? Can you answer that? More than they get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, every um, every adult's requirement is different. So there's not going to be a straight answer to that. Um, you can obviously, there's so many apps out there now that you can download and analyse your sleep. Um, I am fascinated by sleep, obviously, um, and I'm totally obsessed with the samsung sleep app because it just i crack up every morning when especially if i've been at work it'll be like you know eight minutes of deep sleep and things like that and i can function so i end up sitting looking back at nights that i've been at home where i've maybe had you know two and a half hours of deep sleep versus nights that i have been working when i've had around about eight minutes of deep sleep and which day do i feel better and it's always the days that i've had the eight minutes rather than (gasps) two hours (laughs) But oh, like, wow. I think is an anomaly because she's almost trained herself over those 20 years when she's been up with thousands of babies to yeah. not need as much sleep. But that's actually a really interesting question. My husband and I were talking about it this morning because we are very tired at the moment. We are like my youngest is one. Um, and, you know, like most parents, we talk about this in the podcast, sleep isn't linear it doesn't fall in the straight line and so I am up as regularly with my seven and five year old as my one year old and so you have all this broken sleep and I was saying to him this morning I was like I spend so much time in what I believe is REM sleep I'm having very vivid dreams and I really don't feel very rested in the morning and I think that part of that is because I am not getting into that deep sleep I am spending so much time in active sleep and um, I actually suggested him because we've been talking that having moved my son out of the room that I think I was sleeping better with him in the room because he was having white noise on all night and I said I think we should get white noise back in our room because I think I sleep better with it so that's you know and as we said at the outset that is going to be different for for different Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. um but you will probably know yourself when you feel more rested what kind of sleep that you've had like there is um there's plenty of studies that I think that it's um uh, seven plus or minus two so with seven or eight hours being the recommended amount of sleep that's obviously not categorized into deep or active as such because it's people's sleep cycles are going to be slightly different but if you have um if you have nine or you have five that's that's going to badly affect you essentially so you know if you go two hours away from the kind of recommended you're not going to have be as well rested like so you can have too much sleep and you can obviously oh my god it's so enough. interesting you know on the white noise thing I actually my best friend you know like when we go away for like I don't know Hindus or girls weekends or whatever I share a room with her and she brings her white noise machine and before I had kids I used to really think she was completely <laughs> you would you'd be like what the hell is I this? thought she was she had kids a lot like before me and I used to be like what the hell is this how is that relaxing and now I totally get it it's so funny so yeah you can do that you get loads of portable ones as well so this is around self-settling what's the best technique to introduce self-settling at four months plus thanks so again it does depend what kind of parent you are and when I'm working with clients the first thing I say is it's not always about the baby it's about you as parents so you need to be in agreement with everyone who's going to be involved that is so important you know for some the tolerance of self-settling might be higher than the others and what you don't want is to start something and then have one parent swoop in and pick the baby up because it's not working for them so no have a plan in place definitely Kat and I love a plan so you know write down your plan before you start any of these things so that you're both clear on it and then the 
best way to start is through really supportive methods. So, um, you know, pop baby, get them ready for bed, make sure that they're in an appropriate either swaddle or sleeping bag, depending on age. Pop them into said four months plus. Four months plus. So generally by four months, you would be, if you're not already in a sleeping bag, you would be moving towards it. Um, but there are still a lot of babies at that stage who aren't rolling over yet, so they would still be in a swaddle. Um, so just make sure that it is age appropriate. And then pop them down and just keep your hands on. That's the key thing. You know, you're not going to put them into a cot, Moses basket or next to me, and walk away immediately you are going to be supportive if they've been sleeping in other environments for that long then you want to fully support them in the new environment so you would start with a very hands-on approach and then start to wean off that okay interesting my five-year-old wakes at 5 five fifteen a.m regardless of what time he goes to bed help oh my god this question <laughs> i feel like zoe and i have this this between the two of us like so often what what is that what why is that it's like the sleep maths for kids is just not like normal maths (laughs) (laughs) i don't get it oh yeah early waking and also i don't know um if you find as well like your like idea of a lion has been like chalked back and chalked back and chalked back like to be honest now i'm like god slept till half six brilliant but when i started on this sort of parenting thing i was like why am i not getting to sleep until at least eight o'clock i know yeah i know it's crazy but why is that like why when some kids go to bed later do they wake up earlier or they literally or, or you could put them together bed any time and they still wake up at five so it has a lot to do with body clock and environment they are the two main things but you have to move away from the idea that putting them to bed later is going to make them sleep later because 99% of the time that is not the case occasionally you will hit the nail on the head and that will happen but it's very very occasionally so what you don't want is a very overtired um, toddler or child going to bed because then they are generally going to wake up earlier so think about the lead into bedtime and you could move it forward rather than later that's absolutely fine but think about the the activities and things that you're doing ahead of bedtime make sure that they are nice and full and make sure they're cozy and warm a thing that i see a lot is um children going for baths and they stay in the bath for so long that they actually end up quite cold and that then makes sleep more difficult so actually shortening that time in the bath can really help extend sleep Um, because you're keeping the body temperature nice and um, consistent and then with the environment in the bedroom it can be as simple as the heating coming on at say five o'clock or quarter to five makes the bedroom warmer so it's a change in environment and the little one then adjusts the sleep cycle and starts to wake up so it's all about consistency again if you can keep your room consistent it makes a big difference your room temperature and it doesn't necessarily have to be consistently warm it can be consistently cooler so you know having a room at sort of 16 17 18 degrees as long as it stays consistently at that temperature you're more likely to get that more solid sleep if it changes in those early hours then you're going to have a change to the sleep it's really difficult at that sort of time in the morning obviously to re- we like adults you know you wake up for a pee at that time and it's kind of game over you're not going back to sleep so if you know particularly if you've got a five-year-old an older child then it's it is unlikely for them to go to sleep if that's if that's the pattern they've got into there are obviously tweaks that you can make to try and encourage them to sleep later but there is also an element of personality in there that if they are the kind of a person that wakes up and is ready for the day it might be better particularly with a five-year-old to be talking about what that morning looks like so that if they are waking at that time you know whether you're saying it's okay to play in your room for a while but yeah. don't come and get mom your daddy they haven't yeah definitely having um one of the night lights or a um, magic lamps or something that comes on at an appropriate time for waking up is a really good idea at that age and having some agreed on books or very quiet toys near the bed that they can get and go back and sit in their bed is fine but what you want to avoid is them actually getting up to play in the room yeah I found like so my son 
he's six and he's always been like my daughter's way more like she likes sleeping way more than he does he's not bad but he just likes getting up early I'm actually a bit like that so it's fine that's exactly the same as me my eldest would sleep in uh, she's a girl my son my middle son early riser and I am too but I worked out right that he was waking up in the morning because he's old enough to go downstairs and he'll get himself a drink or whatever and he would put on his tv program at like six o'clock or whatever time it was and um and then by the way as soon as my daughter gets up she rules the roost so then she's watching her tv program and I was like Axel mate why do you keep getting up so early you don't need to get up early and he was like because I don't get to watch tv otherwise oh my god that's exactly <laughs> the same as me like my son is like please don't like when in the morning he does actually tend to get me but he's like please don't wake Indy up please don't wake Indy up because I want to watch my thing I want to watch yeah, my thing it's so funny and I was like oh yeah and then you know that's the sort of thing I would do like if I want to get up early before the rest of the house because I want to have a cup of tea by myself um but now we've kind of evened it out a bit and I'm like okay cool right no tv for anyone in the morning and now they're like oh right okay fine and he's like I'm like okay, I won't bother getting up then so <laughs> there um, you go <laughs> yeah okay so bedtimes are a battle now my little one can get out of bed so he's up and down constantly and won't, won't go to sleep so I'm guessing this person has just transitioned from a cot to a bed um and now it's obviously all gone wrong <laughs> so there is always a transitional period with any of these changes that you do need to sort of um, be a little bit firmer and ride it out but it's good to have visual timelines and um sort of routines so you can adapt the routines and visual timelines depending on the age um there's simple ones that we've shared on our social media where it's like a flip chart so the child can see what's expected of them in the run-up to bedtime. They can move things so that they're aware of what they've done. And then the final one is always them getting into bed and going to sleep. So they're actually seeing that before they do it. So it's encouraging them. Um, but also you want it, you know, nobody wants to have an argument at bedtime because it's just not going to be a good night's sleep for anyone, more so the parents than the child. So you want to keep things really calm and if if it is a case of supporting the child by sitting next to the bed and then moving away from the bed as they have adjusted to being in bed, then that's absolutely fine. There's no hard and fast rule that says that you have to put your child in a bed and walk straight away. You can do a very gradual retreat to get that. We were actually, um, we did a, a reel about this recently as well, because I think one of the things that can often escalate this, I mean, is is how you feel about bedtime, mm -hmm. particularly if at, at that changeover period, you might have been, you know, got into a nice routine, been putting your baby to sleep in their cot, you know, and it's been lovely. And then you make this transition and suddenly bedtime gets stressful for you as well. And your child can obviously pick up on that anxiety. And, you you know, in your head, you're thinking about, you know, you're dead hungry, you're wanting you to have your dinner, you're wanting to watch whatever's on telly. Mm -hmm. And so um, sometimes that anxiety can build. So it's important to just feel comfortable enough take, taking a step away, taking a breath and you know, if you have a partner, tag teaming with them if you can, if yeah. things are getting stressful. Um, but also I find it quite useful to slightly just rejig how what I think about bedtimes just for that transitional period of time, you know, whether it is having dinner a bit earlier so that I'm able to to cope with that period so it's not the thing that I'm, I'm obviously like yeah. obsessed with, but I get hangry. And so if I'm not fueled when I'm dealing with the kind of battles at bedtime that I'm more likely to get stressed about them not happening and then they kind of they they tend they escalate. to escalate for the child as well um so I mean I know that's really difficult but in much the way we talk about the transition for the baby that's a transition for the parent as well do you know what? that's really interesting because I find quite a lot so like my husband won't be around for bedtime maybe like a couple of nights a week or whatever and on those nights I usually use that those evenings to like catch up on work and stuff so I want to get the bed the kids to bed like really quick and then I want to get downstairs and like get through everything I need to get through and I'm always on a bit of a like come on come on come on and they play me up on those evenings and so now I'm like right okay don't do that <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't don't do that don't like don't rush them just just be chill and then as soon as I am it yeah like like you say you've just got to kind of get into that mindset of like okay let's just have all the things in place so I'm not going to be stressed out 
putting them to bed. There is no rush. It might be a couple of weeks. It's just going to be like this. And then we're going to get through it. It's always a really good idea to give yourself a time frame. So, you know, allow yourself like an hour and a half to do bedtime. Mm. And once you've allowed yourself that hour and a half, add an extra 30 minutes onto it. And then that's what you're working with. So it just gives you, you know, and like with babies when you're settling as well, you know, always time everything because you can stay so much calmer when you know how much time you've actually spent on it rather than feeling like you've been there for hours doing something when actually you haven't. That's not to say put time limits on what you are doing. It's just that to be aware of it because as we all know as parents, like any, like, any kind of time when you you feel like your baby or child might be distressed, whether they're a toddler, you know, feels like an eternity. We'll be right back after this short break. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? This is from Cassie. Six month old, still waking three times a night and fighting naps. Where do I start? <laughs> so, start by reading the book. <laughs> um, the, all the routines are in the book. So, it does really help. Our book is Sleep know, Better, Baby. Yeah, we sorry. don't know <laughs> It does really help if you know that you're meeting their age appropriate needs throughout the day and night. And it is massively important to remember that it is 24 hours. It's not, yes, he's waking three times a night. But it's not just, you're not just going to fix the night. So you need to fix everything and look at everything and then think about what, where you're at and what you're going to find easiest to deal with first. So you don't need to deal with it all in one hour. Um, if you feel like you've got more stamina to deal with the nights first, then do that and then look at your days. And the two will go hand in hand. So you might find that as you're dealing with one, the other one is naturally fixing itself as well and then just take it really slowly you know if it's waking three times a night and feeding you're not going to get 12 hours overnight you know it's not going to happen you need to take it gradually so be realistic with your expectations of how quickly the changes are going to happen Mm -hmm. and if that means that you're dropping one feed and resettling for a while and then you're still doing the next two for a few nights that's absolutely fine so rather than looking at it and going okay I'm just not going to feed tonight look at it and go okay that first feed you know if he's waking up at 11 think okay I'm going to resettle for half an hour and then he might go back to sleep and sleep for another hour and a half so you've already pushed those boundaries out a little bit mm. um, but really important to make sure that you are getting enough food in during the day so that he can sustain himself overnight and quite often when babies are that bit older and they're still feeding overnight they're stocking up overnight so then they're not actually taking full feeds during the day. It's quite common about that sort of six month age. There's a lot of sleep changes between mm-hmm. sort of four and six months. People, a lot of people talk about four month sleep progression. Um, and really actually what it's to do with is, is developmental changes. Um, and that can make you feel obviously like you're going backwards. So between that sort of period of time, also there's a lot of big changes for, you know, for baby and parent with weaning, um, solid food, um, and, possibly whether you're you're changing what the sleep setup is like where they're sleeping and I think quite often all of those things can compound but also that feeling that they should be doing something by this point and that puts a lot of pressure on too so a wee bit like what we were just saying with the last question first of all taking the pressure off a wee bit and and mm. going like what what do what what would I like to happen next what am I capable you know what, what 
what do I have the capacity for at this point? Um, and then taking it gently and gradually, you know, it's sort of, uh, you're stretching out the time between those weeks rather than, as Sarah says, like going, oh, right, this is going to happen just in a minute. Yeah, I'm going to re- I'm going to do this and then it's all going to fall into place. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is an, an interesting one, actually. It's from Eve. Newborn sleep routine p- tips, please. Now, obviously, like with a newborn, some people will say there isn't anything you can do. But is there something that you can do to get off to like a good start? Yes and no. Try and not look at it as sleep tips. Um, You know, think about your newborn and what they really need. And yes, they do need sleep. But what they really need is food. So rather than thinking, okay, I'm going to set myself up with sleeping environments and you know thinking more about sleep routines you're actually thinking about feeding routines so if you are feeding regularly which you should be during the day um so two and a half to three hours for a newborn is generally how often they would feed so if you're doing that and they are kind of the loose timings that you're sticking to throughout your day your sleep is going to fall into those windows as well so the good habits are making sure that you're feeding enough and they're full feeds, whether it's bottle or breast, um, and you're feeding regularly, you're getting the wet nappies, you're getting the dirty nappies, and then the sleeps are falling in around that, and then you can just think about your environment. So, you know, during the day they can sleep, you know, wherever you are, whether that's the living room or, you know, on the move, whatever, on you in their bassinet or in the pram, and then at night, both of you would move through to the bedroom so they would be sleeping in the bedroom overnight so you're not doing any sort of sleep training you're not doing any sort of fixed routine it is very gentle and just putting those good habits in place to get you started Mm. like that that whole thing about sort of daylight and night time I think Mm. is quite is the probably the the easiest thing that you can do at that point which isn't gonna miraculously do anything it just sort of naturally helps you to get into a bit of a rhythm I guess that this is daytime and then overnight you know light nights are lights are low or off um and we're we're calm and quiet and there's not lots of loud noises and then you know during the day um I think getting getting daylight is really really important to try and kind of um encourage circadian rhythms but it's true for adults as well you know it's so interesting because that's whenever like one of my friends has a baby or whatever and they're like oh what can I do what can I do straight away and I'm always like do you know what like day and night (laughs) like like, I did it with my son Axel kind of unintentionally really but as soon as he came back from the hospital it was like sunshine and it was August so it was like bright and we would be out and then come like seven o'clock we used to shut all the shutters but that was more for us at the time because we wanted to we wanted to relax and go to sleep and then I was suddenly like oh wow we've told him the difference between day and night without even realizing it um but yeah it's, it's actually really it sounds so simple but actually so many people especially when it is the summer will be out Side in the garden at eight o'clock at night and it's still really light and then it gets to like you know October and they're like oh why doesn't the baby realize what, that it's night time now and you think oh well yeah like it, it, it's it, because they wouldn't or also that you know like if you like particularly here in Scotland during the winter that it's really dark and gray <laughs> until like qu- quite late on in the morning so you can do it just by artificial light you know it is a kind of yeah. in the morning lights on like a different tone of voice kind of like yeah. morning kind of thing um that even those sort of things can make a difference but I think I would also say that the most important thing with newborn sleep is to not put any pressure on yourself nothing that you do at this point is going to be like it's not not that we would say actually we would say at no point is there a bad thing to do anyway but you know you should just don't worry about like um making making things that you can't change when you're ready to yeah. it's just not true you're not gonna create what is it a rod for your own back oh, like oh, people are in there, don't they? Yeah. when people are like oh you're setting yourself up there and you're like well actually they're like two weeks old probably i'm probably not going to <laughs> oh this is interesting it's from tracy and i guess there won't be one certain answer but when can I realistically expect my baby to sleep through the night without a feed yeah so there's no one say answer (laughs) um there was a sort of quite an old-fashioned I'd say probably very loose guideline that was um 
you know, twelve pounds, twelve hours, um, and that is just, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure where it came from or who, who thought that this was a good thing to um, advertise. But I remember when I had my first, who was uh, ten pounds four and was twelve pounds by the end of week one. Yeah, Sarah's thinking, a warrior. <laughs> yeah, <You're> right. <laughs> <laughs> week one, he's not going to be sleeping through for twelve hours. So, so yeah, it, there is no. Um, easy answer to that however if you are meeting all their needs during the 12 daytime hours and the you know really sort of six months plus if everything's going well and there's no medical issues and things like that then you can start to help them towards that marker but again it comes back to being a choice thing you know like if if that's what you want your night times to look like if you are ready to stop feeding overnight there's nothing and your baby is well and healthy and as Sarah says you know um his his or her needs are being met during the day it is a choice you're making as a parent and there's absolutely nothing wrong with making choices for our our kids (laughs) like we do that throughout their young lives and we're generally only doing the best thing that we think them. Them. but if you really love like feeding like my second and third 100% I fed like overnight for longer because I really like that quiet time I had with them because mm. there were other children around um but it's about making choices rather and not feeling pressured one way or the other um and I think that is the hard thing and you know again it harks back to what we were talking about right at the beginning that you know you've just got to kind of do what's right for you and your family and only you really know what that is. Is there like a line though? You know, like you said, like obviously 12 pounds, 12 hours, that's not really a thing. But is there like a time when, you know, say for instance, your baby is three months old or whatever, and you're like, do they need milk in the night still? Is there is there a point where you think, oh, that, you know, they, they don't actually need it in the night anymore. They just make him for comfort. Like when? When does? The, or is it just blurred? Oh, so it, it's very blurred again. I mean, there's no. You you need to know your baby to know that because yes, a lot of the time they can just be waking for comfort, but only you will know if they're waking for comfort. So if you feel like they're waking up and they're latching on or going on the bottle, you know, say they go on the bottle and they're drinking half an ounce, and then they're sleeping for another eight hours, then the likelihood is they did not need that half ounce just to push them yeah. through. So you could try some gentle settling techniques and see if they stop doing that wake up. Um, and likewise with breastfeeding, you know, if they're coming on and it's a very sort of half-hearted suckle then you could try some gentle techniques to see if they will push through and again there's just no timeline for this at all like my um my first two so the boys they slept through um from seven till seven very young for Mm -hmm. um, babies you know exceptionally young but they did it themselves it wasn't I wasn't doing any form of sleep training or pushing them they did it themselves whereas Emily did take a lot longer um still relatively young but did take longer but that was partly because I knew you know with three under four I wasn't doing a proper bedtime for her and so Mm. she did need that night feed for that long it wasn't just a comfort shock it was very much okay you missed my bedtime feed so I'm gonna take you for everything I can well that's what I was gonna say like you know it's obviously it's about what they're getting during the rest of that 24-hour period so you know and we talked about day and night so if you have a a child that is and not or baby is that is um not really feeding during the day or not eating very many solid food and then they um are awake a bunch times overnight then the question being do they need it well yeah because their needs are not being fulfilled during the day so um, you, the first point would be to try and flip it and make sure they're they're trying to have their needs fulfilled during the daylight hours. And yes, that is because that's what suits us. And obviously, mm-hmm. we should say in terms of breastfeeding, we're talking about it's like older babies because obviously in the early stages, feeding overnight if you're breastfeeding is important because of prolactin. Mm-hmm. And it is important if you're bottle feeding because they do need to be fed overnight. So yeah. by no means are we saying that you should not feed your babies overnight. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And we've just probably got time for a couple more. There's actually been quite a lot of questions around sort of like the three year mark. Um, They're struggling to go to sleep or they're getting, you know, getting up and out of their beds. Um, 
So I don't know, is there something that happens at that age? <laughs> yeah, so again, developmentally, um, at the years, there's quite a lot of changes. And often that can be related to things like starting preschool or, um, you know, often parents might be having another um, baby as well. So these are all really common yeah. things that can be quite disruptive to the um, three to five year age range and can have knock-on effects to overnight and bedtimes so it's really important you know obviously again you know your child so there's a range of sort of tools that you could put in place that need to be age and understanding appropriate so when working with this sort of age range we wouldn't just go in and say you know do this this and this it's very much about getting to know the child getting to know the parents and then putting those things in place based on the child's understanding so you could have a three-year-old that is still non-verbal and that's absolutely fine um, but they might understand visual things so you can still use the sort of visual tools to really help cement bedtime and then the key thing when they're waking up overnight and this is so hard and we know how hard it is and if you don't want to make this change that's absolutely fine you know if you're comfortable with them getting into bed with you that's totally fine if you've decided that you're not you don't want that to continue happening the key thing is every time they come through just to take them back to their bedroom pop them back into bed but initially stay with them until they're back asleep whether you're staying in bed with them or sitting on a chair next to the bed that's absolutely fine and then just gradually retreat with that chair so again it's really good with this age range to be visual so rather than just sitting on the floor next to the bed actually have something that you're sitting on so that you can then move that because if they can see it moving it builds their confidence that you're not vanishing whereas if it's just you sitting on the floor they have no control over what's happening so it's all about reassurance using so social stories is really good as well there's um one that um i think we've got on the website or it's certainly on my website that you can download which is just really reassuring about um you know this is what's going to happen at night you're going to stay in your bed we're going back to our bed we're not going to leave you we're still going to be there if you need us shout on us and again that's another good thing to really reinforce that the children don't need to get out of bed to come and find you. You can be shouted on and you will go to them. Okay. Which yeah. fills a lot of parents with dread at this age again, if there is another child in the house. But honestly, it's the quickest way to kind of battle through yeah, this. The yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if you found this, but with my first, I would never have let him sleep in our bed. Never. Like, I would have gone and taken him back a hundred times. With my daughter now, I don't know if it's because I don't, if I'm not having any more, I'm not going to have any more children or whatever it is. But if she comes into our room at like five in the morning and she just creeps in and gets in the middle, I just don't say anything. I'm just like, I actually quite like this. It's fine. <laughs> I think a lot of it does depend on circumstances as well. Like, there's going to be times in every child's life where they do just need it. Um, you know, it wasn't something that mine ever did. They never really got into bed. Um, and then when me and my ex-husband separated, my youngest did come into my bed and occasionally still does. In fact, you know, a couple of nights ago, I think I was saying to Kat, I was like, yeah, I'm really tired because Emily was in my bed last night. And it, I mean, I'm not used to it, so it does really stop yeah. me sleeping. But she was in my bed because she started a new school. There's been a lot of upheaval mm. and she just needs it at the moment. So that's fine. Yeah. So it, these things aren't forever. And if an older child is doing it then and doing it out of character, then, you know, sit with them, try and talk to them, not at the time, but see if there's something else going on that's causing that bit of anxiety that they do need extra cuddles. And there's times in our lives as well, like I know myself, that there have been times that I've found my children to have that extra cuddle when I've needed it so yeah that's the thing isn't it yeah I mean I was so strict with Axel like so strict that now I'm like oh my god but actually weirdly he's like how comes Gigi's allowed to sleep in your bed sometimes <laughs> and, uh, and so now me and my husband are like oh god are we gonna have to say to him he's allowed so we actually <laughs> said to him the other day like you know once every couple of weeks if you're, you know, sad about something or you're worried, then you can come in and we'll have a cuddle and whatever. And so, yeah. I think the hard thing is, though, like Sarah's obviously talking about, these are ways that you can get through it if you want things to change. But the really hard thing is normally if a baby or child, well, not a baby, if a child comes through in the, the night and you're really tired, sometimes the easiest thing to do to get you some sleep or what feels like you're going to get some yeah. sleep is to pull them into bed with you or to let them stay. Only you know whether that is disrupting your sleep or not. And I would say yeah. between my kids, I have one one child who's a fantastic 
bed partner. I always think of that Friends episode when they're like yeah, they partners. Yeah. Like he is he's brilliant. He just curries in and it's lovely and goes to sleep and I can sleep yeah. fine if he's there. But my daughter is like fidget Bridget and <laughs> yeah. like is is horrendous. And so I know that I cannot have her as lovely as it would be, it would it would just yeah, can't do it. my sleep mm-hmm. so much yes. that it's not worthwhile me letting her stay. So yeah. I, kind of she always gets taken back, whereas he might get allowed to stay a bit longer. <laughs> no, that's exactly the same in our house. I think another really good tool as well, just to mention for people, um, is just using baby monitors again when they've got these older children that are a bit more disrupted. It can really reassure the child that, you know, mommy and daddy or mommy and mommy are well, still Chang, yeah, and they're still there. So um, I, I do recommend that quite a lot as well. Um, and I think that it was, you, you mentioned three-year-olds, quite often there's a potty training thing around mm-hmm. that stage so that um, they might have been potty trained during the day, but because they're now much more aware of what's going on, they might not necessarily be ready to be dry at night, but they might be waking when they do a wee or being waking when they are wet. Um, and so that, I mean, that's just, a, that's, just a difficult thing to kind of push through it's not necessarily a sign that they are ready to be dry overnight okay um I think that's probably all we've got time for but um where where can we find you (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) on social media we are at the sleep mum so we're on instagram facebook tiktok and we're on youtube our website is thesleepmums.co.uk and we have a book which is called sleep better baby it was published by our collins um and that's in all good bookstores uh online and in real life um and it is um essentially first sort of 16 to 18 months baby's life um with routines and support through that and um uh, we uh, we have our podcast, obviously. So I was <laughs> Sorry, the, most, <laughs> the most important thing, uh, our podcast, Asleep Mums. So there's over, well, I think over 70 episodes now and we cover everything um, to do with sleep, but also some other things like parent guilt and yeah. boundaries and um, funny things like yeah, nip flash. Or- <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Georgia. It is actually amazing how we can still keep doing these sleep episodes <laughs> because you know when you just you think there's nothing more to say about sleep then there really is. Mm. <laughs> there's always so many like different methods and and different kind of ways of, of looking at it and I really love it and I and I liked their approach. It was like it was a bit you know it was quite fresh so yeah. yeah, it was lovely to listen to actually some great questions in there too. And as Georgia says, there isn't one way of looking at it. So we're always wanging on about if one method doesn't work, try the other one. Just try everything until the end of time. <laughs> <laughs> till you get what you want. <laughs> uh, right, let's get into products. I'm going to kick us off with something that we've just discovered. They're called bundle beds. Now, um, these guys approached us because we were doing a lot of stuff um, on our social media about sleepovers that Luna and Kit have got massively into sleepovers. Obviously, Isla's been doing them for a few years, but yeah, they're just obsessed with them now. And it's a really nice way of making sure that when their friends come to stay or if they go and stay at friends' houses, they can sleep in in the same room as them if there isn't a spare bed in there. Um, It's basically an inflating mattress, um, a cozy duvet and a comfy pillow in super soft bedding all in That's all in so one good. yeah they're do really good you know what good. it's probably really online. good for camping and stuff like that as well do you think perfect for camping yeah i'm i'm actually going to get some I, I was thinking oh no i won't but i i mean why not like i might as well keep them in the loft and then yeah. we're prepared like if we go and stay anywhere as well um yeah. this is something actually it's it's quite snazzy um but one of the questions was all around like adult sleep and how much adult sleep you know how much the like deep sleep and light sleep and all that kind of stuff and I don't know about you Zoe but I never wear my like smartwatch overnight because it just distracts me and also I'm just not that comfortable in it but there's this thing you can get called an aura ring and it literally looks like you know just a piece of gold jewelry or I think you can get it in silver as well and it will literally like track everything but it is so good for tracking sleep so it can tell you like to the minute how much deep sleep you had love that how much, yeah it is actually really really interesting i haven't got one it's definitely going to be on my birthday list um but 
a couple of my friends have and they absolutely they love, love them. them yeah so yeah, definitely worth checking out nice love that um my next product is something that i bought for isla because isla likes to sleep in pitch black and luna likes to have a little like um you know sleep sleep lamp on um so i got her a personalized sleep mask and i actually got it from not on the high street it was 6.95 it's got her name on it it's silk it's really lovely it's really cozy um and yeah she just she, it sort of feels very kind of grown up to her as well that she can pull it yeah. on at night and be like night everyone it's like having a teenager in the house <laughs> shutting the world yeah, down exactly with her eye mask exactly I'm going to finish up this is a product we've mentioned before it's the Yoto box and it's obviously the storytelling box it's a little bit like a Tony box but for slightly older children but I just discovered a new function on it and it can basically be used similar to a grow clock so for Axel he can tell the time now but what he'll do is if he wakes up at like 5.15 or something he's like oh my god it's 5.15 how exciting I've only got this much time until I can wake up and so it's actually not that great but what we've done is we've set it like a grow clock where it doesn't even show the time until six. Oh, great. So, yeah, and so then he'll wake up and he'll see it at six o'clock, whereas if he wakes up at five, even 5.30, it'll just look like it's night time. Um, yeah, really good little function. You evil genius, you. Yeah. Or we could just change the clocks. That'd be better, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Thank you so much for sending all your questions in. As always, we couldn't do these Friday Q&As without you, so we're very grateful. Uh, if you do have time to give us a little follow as well, then you'll never miss an episode. Yeah, and of course, these Friday Q&As are for you guys. So if you've got any suggestions for topics you'd like us to cover, then please do just drop us a DM. We're on at Made by Mamas on Instagram and we'll be back on Tuesday. Made by Mamas is an insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.